So, let me tell you something that you should have already realized by now about this fucking show you're listening to. This shit is supposed to be for mature audiences. As in grown-ups, mentally mature. It's supposed to talk about adult subjects in an adult frame of mind. It's not fucking that at all. This is two emotionally regressed, broken half-wits pretending to offer insight on movies. All they really offer you is an endless sexual perversion and a laundry list of personal paraphilia issues. You can make your own choices in life, but you have to choose this as entertainment. You know you're better than this. You have to know you are better than listening to Cinema Psyops.
Welcome to the 331st episode of Cinema PsyOps. I'm your host, Court, the guy that's blaring out like a fucking Christmas trumpet. Or maybe one meant for the apocalypse. He can't really decide which, although we really all know which one he wants it to be. And perplexed by just what the fuck I meant by any of that is my co-host, Matt. Well, I'm just assuming with the current world climate, the apocalypse is closer than we all think. <laughs> it's extremely fucking nigh. Yeah, we're just... It's just all dead. It's fine. It's gonna be. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> I, I. You know what? I'm. I've gotten adrenal fatigue at the point now where, like, I'm just like, yeah, what, whatever. And I'm, I'm, I. I really don't know what else to do. I'm already. Uh, I'm maxed out on the severe amount that I could possibly even be any more neurotic about it. Like laying in bed, staring at the ceiling. You know, going through your normal checklist of shit that already stresses you out in your normal life, and then you have a realization that you read an article today that Putin is thinking about putting intermediate nuclear missiles on the border with Ukraine just because, just because. And then you realize, oh, I'm fucked there. And then you realize China wants to invade Taiwan, and that's a hard red line. You realize you're fucked there, and then you just realize, I'm just fucked. Anyway, that's my existential dread for the day. Have a nice show, everybody. Oh, is that all? That's all. That's it. That's all my ex- existential dread. That's all. Shit. And, that, and then the I don't that, I don't the, get out of bed for fucking the threat of nuclear war anymore. We're always <laughs> on the fucking verge of nuclear war with another fucking madman. You know what's the most comforting about that is? At least it's not huh. coming from the White House this time. Yeah, well, yeah, no, that is true. At least we're trying to, like, you know, I don't know the White House trying to do some fancy footwork to get out of this. Not, but not that that's a high fucking bar. Don't get me wrong. Here, not being here's Trump the problem, is though, not our friends a high in bar. NATO are, our friends in NATO, our friends and allies in NATO are not exactly being as uh, uh, playing this with kid gloves as uh, the White House is because they are going like madman fuck it all right now. <laughs> You know where you could have been talking politics is with Darren on the Psychosomatic cast if you had ever That's actually true. replied I, back to him. I don't mean to even talk politics. I'm sorry. I'm talking more about my existential dread, which <laughs> is the superlative place to do it is on this show. <laughs> Because usually I'm I'm doing it in the dark. <laughs> well, that's where the police are blundering. We're in the dark. Well, ah, well, that. well, not exclusively. In this case, <laughs> they are blundering yeah. in the dark, but the police are blundering. They, they are blundering in the dark. I loved. Well, we'll get it. They're blundering because uh, it has to come during, during the reveal of the movie. But where are they blundering? In the dark. In the dark. That's the worst place to blunder. <laughs> Uh, so i guess it's like the b and a cab instead of bastards in this movie the case is all cops are blunderers all cops are blunderers did you add uh, id in the dark itd in the dark (laughs) so a cab id (laughs) (laughs) yeah that doesn't that doesn't roll off the tongue like the other ones. So <laughs> no, we're gonna need an acronym for our na- acronyms. Yeah, we're gonna need another acronym for our other acronym. And right now we're getting to a lot of letters, and I'm just you know I can't read. So how dare you? <laughs> Which is really fortuitous because this is a subtitled movie this week. When the police be blundering. Yeah, I know. I just now I gotta I gotta figure out some shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, this guy did something. <laughs> well, I paid very close attention to everything in this film as much as possible. I was okay, captivated. Here's my thing. You keep saying these words and I can't tell where your sarcasm ends. <laughs> or even if there is any sarcasm because my yeah. so, my soulless disaffected voice has fucking screwed you over again. 
It, it really has. <laughs> there are days where I'm like, wow, Court really enjoyed this movie? You're like, no, motherfucker, it was being sarcastic. And I'm like, okay. I mean, how's that different from your other voice? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Asshole. And with that, we're going to take our break. We're going to play the Legion Patreon <gasps> ad and for the Pirate Radio Edit. This week, we're going to go with all things about photography, photographs, and or pictures, because photography is a very heavy element in the police when they be blundering in the dark. Yes, when when the police are blundering in the dark, everyone wants to everyone wants to take a picture. <laughs> of what's on your mind. Anyway, the first one up for the Pirate Radio Edit, Radio Stars and Dirty Pictures, right after this. This will keep it quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing... All the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for five dollars, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. Radio stars with dirty pictures for those listening on the pirate radio edit. And I'm pretty sure that song probably outraged Matt. A little. The most thing that outraged me was the beginning high-pitched whine thing that almost murdered me. That's called feedback. And when you have your guitars turned up to an excessive volume and lots and lots of gain, that does tend to happen. Right. Well, it hurt me. (laughs) Note to self, include lots of feedback music from here on out. There is no trailer, so we can start talking about how the police be blundering. Oh, right. The police 
They are blundering everywhere. But where but are they mostly in the, the dark? Court? Mostly in the mostly dark. Mostly in the dark. All right. Well, good, good, good to know. In this case, right. in this specific case, it's in the dark, but pretty much everywhere else it's, too. Yeah, of course. But in this case, in the film, it's in the dark. In the film, it's in the dark where the police are blundering. This is this is correct. Yes. <laughs> We're not fucking Doctor uh, Seuss. Let's do this review. <laughs> well, you started it. Anyway, all right. The first 20 minutes, we start, it's, uh, as the credits are going, we see this pair of scissors all bloodied, and that should be foretelling. Um, anyway, uh, we see a lady. She's driving a car. She gets a flat. Uh, we see a person show up, and she's like, hey, uh, I need some help. And uh, the person then tries to attack her with a pair of scissors. She gets in her car, but they get in. She runs away. They chase her. Uh, and then as she's kind of hiding, they catch up to her and stab her in the throat a bunch of times, killing her. Do you get any scream vibes off of the way this just jumps in on you like that? Yeah. Yeah. I got a pretty good amount of Scream vibes. How it started with action right away. It's one of the things that drew me into Scream. Uh, was it was not a slow, not a slow build. You uh, you got into it right away. And this is like what 1975, 1974. Yeah, Nin- definitely yeah. would have to be. Yeah. So I mean, like this, the Jello genre very clearly knows how to hit the ground running and has been doing that yeah. quite a bit. Uh, this isn't the only Jallo that has done this, this same type of thing. And I'm obviously, yeah. I'm referencing Scream for Matt's sake because this hit the ground running open intro of the first death. I mean, this is not unique even to the Jallo thing, as we said. But in this case, this one feels very much because there's moments where like the tension builds up and it feels like maybe she'll be safe in this in this moment, like when she gets in the car, but then the person breaks in and it just continues to just escalate. And uh, the pacing is what I'm really talking about as far as the vibes go with this and i'm glad that you felt it too yeah definitely um so then we see a man sitting at a bus stop and he's reading a paper and it's almost like the giallo way of oh my god they said the title of the movie but he's reading the headline says police blundering in the dark and everywhere else yay they put the title in the movie I knew that would Uh, excite you. uh, It always excites me. It's my favorite part when the title's in the movie. I get so happy. (laughs) Looks like Um, I have to go be Superman for the quest for peace. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If that would have really happened in real life, I'd have just cried. Um, (laughs) You would have died a happy kid right then. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, We do see that uh, they're saying that mainly it seems to be models that are going missing. Um, just then a woman gets off of the bus and they meet up and get into his old beaten up car. And she says, you know, it's been a while since you've contacted me. And he says, yeah, well, we, I need your help. And he goes, and this time you really have to hold it together. And they drive away. So they come to this big villa and uh, a lady is leaving, but that dude familiar is coming in. And it's a really bad storm. And the lady is apparently a model for a photography session. Um, so then uh, uh, we see the lady. She's leaving. She's driving. And it's a pretty bad storm outside. Uh, the maid goes in. She goes to take a drink from somebody's hand. But that person's actually awake. And some doctor friend of the photographer in the villa. Uh, there's talking about, you know, uh, he asks if Edmund, who's the photographer, apparently got his model naked. And she said, yeah, that model already left. And the, the, it, it, the maid kind of gets flirty a little bit with the doctor. I don't know if you saw that at all. Uh, that's the maid tries to throw down with literally any swinging dick that's in her vicinity. And possibly a couple yeah. of the women, too. I couldn't quite tell. This maid is sexually frustrated to the nth degree. She she is. She very much is. Yeah, she's like um, super doctor- over sex 
sexual, like it's borderline parody Italian sex comedy horny. Yeah. And the doctor just kind of talks about how he's, you know, an old man and, you know, he doesn't know if how he could handle taking pictures like that. And he just loves his flowers and his garden, whatever. Um, Prude. So, yeah, right. Uh, so the lady, she's driving. She mentions how she can't see a thing. The lady just left. And um, we see the maid who is in there. She's the maid from the lady earlier from the bus stop. Um, they, uh, the, she then, as the maid goes up to the dude Butler who picked her up and she talks about like, Hey, I should get some water for something. And he's like, no, you don't have to, you can go to bed. And they kind of have a terse moment there where they kind of like stare at each other and it's really weird. He's trying to Um, tell her what to do and she very clearly doesn't want to listen to him and he thinks he should fuck off. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, we see... An old man in a wheelchair, and he's being pushed by his niece, Sarah, and we see this is this photographer, Edmund. Then, um, uh, lady, uh, the lady of the house, the, the, the photographer's wife, she shows up and asks where the doctor is, and if they're gonna have their usual game tonight. Everyone's acting really fucking weird. Uh, just a, you can tell there's a weird energy in this house. Um, <laughs> I just thought all the actors were on cocaine and couldn't remember their next line or were like edging <laughs> to get their next line out. And they're, yeah. And they're just staring at each other. Come on, man. I'm pretty sure it's your turn. <laughs> um, yeah. Like it, it felt like that awkward and uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, everyone looked like somebody farted in the room, but it was silent and they're trying to figure out who did it. Um, Anyway, then, no uh, one but, person gave everyone else herpes, and they're trying to figure out which one it yeah, was first. Who's who's the herpes person? Come on, who was it? Who who brought that shit to the cast orgy? Who did it? <laughs> yeah, it was that uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, that was that. Uh, then the la- but that made for a great ambiance in a movie where you're having to read everything. Uh, then the lady who left, well, she had to pull over into a small town. Apparently, her car started going bad. Uh, she calls her friend slash boyfriend whose car she's using and asks if he can come get her at this little town. Um, unfortunately, no, he's in bed with another woman, uh, but he's telling her he has to work. But really, he's in bed with a nude woman. And this is the first nude woman where we can say, thank you, movie. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And uh, very I mean, much thank you, movie, even though this dude's yeah. shining another girl on. He's missing his opportunity. Yeah. What he needs to do is have road sex to go get this girl and then try and talk them all into a three-way on the way back. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you go by this movie and how everybody acts, I don't even think he has to do that much talking into it. Just be like, yeah, I'll pick you up, but. You know, so really, what he's what he's saying is he's too exhausted to disappoint two women in the same night. Yeah, he's like he's like, Woo. he probably just got done giving all he had to that other girl. So, <laughs> which she's clearly not had enough because she's getting ready to egg him on for more. Uh, oh yeah, she 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 had the eyes of this motherfucker thinks he's done. <laughs> he's like he's lighting up a cigarette like he's clocking out. Who's this motherfucker think he is? Right, and gentlemen, if you think you've never seen that look, you just haven't recognized it. You 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 probably don't make eye contact a lot. Maybe you rolled over and went right to sleep. Because trust me, every woman in life has had that look. <laughs> Believe Matt, he knows. <laughs> Believe you me, I know. Okay, but anyway, he says he'll see her the next day. So she gets a room, it's cold, and uh, she packs in to stay the night. Uh, also, there's kind of a mentally challenged guy there, uh, a, 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 a handicapped person, uh, and the innkeeper, his wife says that's her son, and he was born that way, but he's harmed. Uh, the actor plays it a little too broad for my taste, and then the choices they make with the character later on, also far yeah, it's, too it's, broad and gross. 
Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, so anyway, back at the house, and the doctor laments about his flowers, worried about him because the storm's out. Um, the photographer, he's kind of tearing up some photos, and the doc tells him that he shouldn't do that, that, you know, he's destroying his own art. He goes, ah, they weren't very good. And he goes, well, anyway, you should rest. Um, and as the photographer gets ready, uh, to go home, the photographer, or as the doctor gets ready to go home, the photographer tells the butler to go ahead and drive him home. Uh, and then as they leave, the photographer talks to his wife and says he'll sleep with her or sleep with Sarah tonight. That's what he says. So he's saying he can sleep with his um his niece. Yeah, but That's probably not weird. probably not what you think. No, I don't think so either. It's not what we're thinking. But anyway, that's the end of the first 20 minutes. Yeah, that translation so we, seems a little off. I don't think he actually said sleep with says, I, like maybe sleep in the same room with or something perhaps. Yeah, I th- think so i think the translation got a little off in fact i'm wondering if he didn't even say sarah because he seems like he's saying he'll sleep with his wife that night you know just that's what it seemed like yeah it was i some of the stuff in the subtitles was a little weird but luckily this film does not rely a lot on heavy dialogue it's very much a visual storytelling of a film yeah and that's something i kind of want to talk about here at this 20 minute break because it's all developing stuff so far and like hey look at these fucking weirdos is basically what's going on like it's you you can tell there's it's a a group full of people who are broken in some sense of a way and every it, living in that villa must just be awkward as fuck right and also there's a lot of titty shots all over the walls everywhere so those are all thank you movies yeah thank, i mean i don't know what's weird about that that's just good decor right there that's that's just good stuff. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's weird. I'm just saying that that's the case. But I, I want to, yeah. I do want to focus in on the transfer that is on this disc is incredible. It looks yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's really good. I watched it on my projector. Yeah. And I, I've been, I'm trying to do that where just about everything. However, uh, both Mondo, Mondo Bellardo and the Italians and then the one that shouldn't titled were all watched on my TV. Uh, but the Jane Mansfield yeah. one, I'm not ashamed to admit I did watch on my projector. <laughs> I mean, of course you did. Jane Mansfield. I mean, duh. Right. But I've been trying to screen everything just to kind of get a better idea of what, what, you know, what it is that I'm looking at. And like, really, because I like to look at the details and really dig in and like the textures of the fabric design, (laughs) you know, like designs on fabric and stuff just to kind of like really get engrossed in the environment of the film. And uh, while there's not a lot of like weird textures and things like that, there's a lot of really great depth of field and a lot of shots that are shot with a really wide angle lens that makes it really disorienting because it sort of starts to do that weird wide angle distort at the edges where it looks sort of fisheye-y, but not like a lot, but just a little bit. So it just starts to warp just a little tiny bit at the edges of the frame uh, for some Mm -hmm. of those really wide shots, especially when they're like, they're trying to put the whole cast of, hey, which one of these fuckers is the killer? You know, kind of shots. (laughs) Which which one of these dumbasses went ahead and started killing everybody? (laughs) Right. And and the film does this a lot where it's, it is filming at the Dutch angles. It is doing a lot of really severe wide angle lenses that are really disorienting and it does kind of give this very visual hallucinatory flair to everything um, which I really really dug so I kind of got this idea that the film's like look we just want to have fun like in this first 20 minutes I'm like this seems like it's the type of jally where like we're just going to hang out and we're going to have a good time and watch some gruesome kills and it's going to be ridiculous but fun and I was like Mm -hmm. I was like I I feel like that's what's going to happen and that's where I'm kind of at in the first 20 minutes you know yeah 
where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to take this one too serious because this one looks like it just wants to be fun. This specific. And I believe it, you're right. It did just want, it does just want to have fun. <laughs> and it continues kind of that all the way through this. Right. Well, and uh, of course, having finished the film now for the review, I can say that, yes, I was very much right. But in that, it was just basically like the first 20 minutes tells you exactly what you're going to get. Kills are going to be brutal. The violence is going to be horrifying. And the stalking is going to be really, really uncomfortable. But all the in-between stuff and the investigation is going to be lighthearted and bring you back up. So it's going to try and roller coaster you. And you know that in the first 20 minutes because it already did that. And uh, like basically it continues to do that where it ramps up and drops off for like the rest of the film. And I was not unentertained at all. Like I I completely enjoyed it every moment um that it that it's doing that i'm i'm telling you that this is what i kind of knew was going to happen where i'm like this is going to get wild you know what i mean like this this is going to be a good one i could tell (laughs) and let's tell the folks how i may or may not be wrong (laughs) all right you ready to come back now yeah (laughs) cool uh we start the next 20 minutes um our lady friend who's in her room, she uh, decides to strip down and starts warming herself by the fireplace. And I'm like, thank you, you movie. You did that in the wrong order, but thank you, movie. Then the innkeeper's special needs son knocks on the door and she says, come on in, not knowing it was him. But he walks in and she kind of covers up real quick. And then he kind of just touches her shoulders and neck a little bit and then leave. She locks the door and kind of like the storm's really bad outside. Um Later on, then, uh, she's eaten, and she's just eaten topless, so thank you, movie. Yeah, I never thought that watching a woman, like, pick at a ham sandwich while mm-hmm. topless and wandering around occasionally with the type of underwear where the back is all mesh and you can see her ass, too. Like, I never thought yeah. this was something that I would find erotic, and here we are. But, I did. Yeah, but now, here we go. Yeah, I was like, uh, I was like, Jesus Christ, why is this fucking hot to me? Then she hears a noise at the window, and when she goes to check it out, boom, she gets stabbed right in the neck, and she fucking dies. And again, I'm like, Jesus Christ, why is this so fucking hot to me? <laughs> what is going on? But I mean, that was uh, that was cool, because it was just like, bam. You're like, I figured she was getting ready to die, but I didn't think they just do it like, boom, you're done, see ya. <laughs> yeah, that brutal- No chase, that, no nothing. That, just brutal death. Yeah, that brutal sneak attack. Well, she's not done, because I mean, the, the killer does yeah. continue to stab and do other things after this, but- that stab to the neck does pretty much like she's paralyzed if not dead. Um, yeah, but it's it's gruesome, it's brutal, and it's sudden, and it's at this point where I'm confirming to myself, "Yep, this is going to be a fun one." Like as it, it got me, it popped me. You know, I popped so good yeah. for that that scare, that jump got me really good, and it was awesome. Oh yeah, big time. It's, it's fucking uh, out of nowhere. Like you're you have no warning at all. It works so well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, it does. It just, you're like, holy shit, okay. It's not even like a jump scare. It's just, oh, okay, I guess she's dead now. Goodbye. See you later. Well, it's just the oh. sudden brutality of it. It just kind of leaves you like, holy fuck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, let's see here. Then um, uh, we cut to the next day, and that lady's boyfriend, friend, whatever, he's driving around trying to get lo- ask locals for help and all that, and he pulls up to that inn. Um, he asks about the girl and they're like, yeah, she's, she should be in the room. She hasn't come out yet. So the innkeeper, the guy goes out there and he comes back. She's like, she's not there. Didn't even sleep in the bed. Uh, so he checks it out. The boyfriend does. And the only thing he finds there is a sandwich kind of half eaten. Um, he drives around, he finds his car and he works on it a little bit. He's able to get it started, but then he also finds her date book. Um, 
And then all of a sudden he looks over and he sees her her makeup container on the ground. And then we see the innkeeper's son walking away from it, kind of just laughing a bit, weirdly. Um, he goes again, he talks to the innkeeper, and, you know, he says, well, you know, and innkeeper even says, yeah, that's, that's like the second girl this month to go missing from around here. Um, then the photographer's butler comes in to buy a pack of cigarettes, and they even say, like, the innkeeper's like, eh, it's his, the new steward for that photographer, and up the hill, and, yeah, they're all think, they all think he's a bit strange, and... And not just his hair and mustache, either. Yeah, and then the, the, the boyfriend looks at the daybook and realizes that she was up there, at that, that was the villa she was up at. Then we see there's a town festival going on, the boyfriend's looking around the town, see if he can find her. Um, he thinks he sees a girl that looks like her on the bus, but it's not her. Um, so then he heads up to the villa. He introduces himself, and apparently he's a journalist. And the photographer and the boyfriend, they talk. They get together, they're talking, and the photographer's like, yeah, I thought she was a bit stale to take pictures of. She didn't have any personality. And the boyfriend's like, yeah, well, she's missing. And that's when the photographer's like, another one? Like, he's like, oh, shit, this is bad. Then Sarah and the wife come in, and they're kind of like, hey, how's it going? And he asked the boyfriend to stay, the journalist, to uh, have dinner with him that night. And the journalist accepts, and that ends that 20 minutes. So the journalist is the dumbass that wouldn't come see the girl, and now he's going to go try and find out what happened to her because he abandoned her out there. Yeah. Is this his yeah. fault? Well, I think he was going to he was going to see her anyway to find, you know, to help with the car the next day. He said he would see her the next day. But, yeah, I mean. But because he made her wait, is her death his fault? Yeah. I mean, he has a hand in it because he, like, he didn't kill her or anything, but he definitely has a hand in it because. He left he her in that situation. Said, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm coming to get you. Yeah. He, you know? he totally leaves her now, in that situation when she I, was asking I, I for don't, help. I don't know if he would have gotten there in enough time to save her. Like, I, I just don't know. She might not have gone up to a room then, stayed in the main area with all the people who were there, and then she probably would have been fine. Um, like, there are only a few ways. Like, if you would have said, yeah, I'll come to get you, and then she went back to his car to wait, and she was killed, then no, it's not as, you know, then he has no fault in it. But here, at this point in time, he kind of, I don't know, you know, it's, he should have came and got her. I mean, you can't absolve all the, you know, guilt away from the actual murderer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not trying to. I am just also trying to point out that our main character, investigator gentleman, is, uh, in fact, no gentleman. Uh, no, he, he was definitely, he decided to not help her out that night so he could continue disappointing some woman in his bed. <laughs> right. And also, uh, in his motivations here aren't as pure as they would seem either because he is also a scumbag piece of shit. Yes. Yes, that is true. <laughs> he, he's not a good dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm good if you want to roll back into the next. Cool. Next 20. Um, it is uh, dinner time. And uh, Sarah is late for dinner. Uh, the the butler says, you know, she she'll be down. Um, the the butler and the maid are exchanging looks while the rest are talking around the dinner table. They talk about the journalist's work. Uh, and he's like we're still waiting for his big story to you know appear to him. Uh, he's had a few small stories, but he's waiting for that big one. He's very ambitious. They so all talk about ambition. 
And then Sarah shows up and she sits next to the journalist and they're all talking as they're being served. And then we see the journalist and Sarah, they're starting to play footsie underneath the table. And the maid kind of sees this as well and the maid's kind of into it. Um, Then we see the photographer, he's pressing these buttons and he's taking secret pictures from a camera behind the mask of a statue of all the guests. And he's taking these pictures. That's what it Um, appears, but it's like flashing this weird light too, all while it's doing this. And no one seems to notice the light at all, but, like, he keeps looking super pleased with himself when he does this. Yeah, he does. He he definitely looks like, I am. I'm doing something awesome here. Woohoo. The doctor talks about the photographer's desires, um, or disease, not desires, disease, but this causes the photographer to freak out, saying, you know, you will want me to be sick, even though I'm not. Um... Then the photographer and the wife have, like, a terse convo about his work and how she never understood it. But thank God that's why it's Sarah, because she understands it. We see more photos are being taken. Um, They adjourn for coffee, you know, after dinner coffee. Uh, Everyone leaves, and the photographer rolls himself out after everybody, and he kind of gives the statue a knowing look and nods to it. Um, We find out then, while they're all talking after dinner, that Sarah's parents died in a plane crash, and, yo, they've been living... She's been living with them. Uh, the uncle has wanted her to meet more people, you know, her own age. Um, they talk about the storm outside because once again, it's raining hard and Sarah doesn't like the storm. And the, the, the uncle even says, oh, maybe you should bunk up with uh, our journalist friend here for the night. You know, you'll feel safe. So you're like, OK, that's kind of weird. Um, yeah, but it's also a very European thing where, you know, yeah. she's an adult now. She's old enough to make her own choices. And he's basically like, the dude's got it going on. Why don't you try and hop on that pogo stick? I mean, he's a handsome man. Let's, let's not lie. <laughs> the, guy, the guy can pull tail. <laughs> as we will see him do. Yes, as one does. So anyway, um, then uh, the doctor, he's like, ah, I'm tired. I'm going to leave. And they want the butler to drive him home. He goes, nah, my bike is better than any car. And he leaves. And uh, the boyfriend's getting ready to leave. And they're going to have the butler pull the car around. And then the aunt's like, hey, maybe you should just stay here instead of going out in the rain. And the uncle's like, yeah, you're pretty much right. And they say, hey, why don't you stay with us and stay out of the storm? So he <laughs> Can we agrees. talk about how he keeps telling the butler to do all this stuff and he keeps changing his mind and like how frustrated that butler must be, but he holds his shit together and doesn't even sigh? Yeah, yeah. No, that butler's being an effective butler. So then uh, the butler shows him his room and as... The journalist walks in there. The maid's in there. They have a bit of a moment, and she's like, I, I, I need you, so meet me in my room later on. And he says, yeah, all right. So then he looks out of the door as she leaves and sees her and the butler have, like, a really tense moment, and they break off. Well, later on that night, he sneaks out of his room, and he goes up to the maid's room. We're supposed to meet her, but she's not there, but the butler's there. So he's like, whoops, sorry, and he heads the fuck out of there, and he, uh... He heads back down to his room. He then sees the photographer rolling around and then waits and watches the photographer's wife kind of stalking around and following him. He goes out to try to follow them, see what's going on, and again gets caught by the butler. They have kind of a terse moment with one another and he heads back to his room. And when he goes back up there, Sarah's in there. And she's like, I want you to take me away. Um, Says that um, her aunt, uh, the the photographer's wife makes her do things, whatever she says, and she's scared of her uncle uh, in his reactions, and they they have a kiss, and they have a moment. We cut to the wife and the uncle are talking, and 
She wants to leave this place. She said they were only supposed to be there for a short stay, and now it's been two years. Um, they are. She's not into it. She then. This is also ruining Sarah's life. They're too far away from the city. They're out in the middle of nowhere in this small town. Um, and he's like, "No, nah, I, I get so much work done here. This is better for me. I want to stay here." And uh, she she freaks out and says that she wants to separate. And when she says that, he starts cutting pictures in half with a pair of scissors. Uh, then uh, we're back with Sarah and the journalist, and she tells him that all her uncle cares about is his new invention, and that he has perfected a way to take pictures of what people's thoughts are. Bullshit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. But after she says it, then she strips down. Uh, uh, so, thanks, movie. Can we talk about how yeah. she confesses to being sexually traumatized by her aunt, and his move to comfort her is to basically seduce her? Yeah. What the yeah. fuck, well, movie? she starts seducing him. She strips down because <coughs> she wants him to take her away. Yeah, but he lunges on her at first, right after she talks about all of that stuff. Like, he's not comforting her. He just pounces on her. Hmm. A little... But I see her pouncing on him. I think it's a mutual pouncing at this point. Well, I think she sees, the film gaslights she you. Sees, the film gaslights yeah. you by having her turn around and like immediately start seducing him. I think she sees him as a means to end to get the hell out of town. So, uh, you know, everyone's using everybody. Yeah, but this guy's also a scumbag. Yeah, I mean, he's still a scumbag. That's yeah. I'm just saying. Um, let's see here. Then the uncle and the wife they're having a fight, and the, she says that. Uh, you know, that she wants to be able to bone other dudes because the dude's impotent, apparently. She wants to be able to bone dudes, and he's like, go ahead and just do it. And she goes, you know, I've already found a way. She already found a way to uh, get out her sick fantasies by using Sarah's body. And this pisses the uncle off completely. He tries to stand up, but he falls. This causes the wife to break down crying because she's not really, she's, 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 she's not happy about this. And they're both freaking out crying with one another. And she's like, we're just so very unhappy. Um, all the while, hey, question uh, the journalist- for you. Yeah, that sequence where they're breaking down and they're crying and on like really just like losing their shit. Did that draw any sympathy out of you at all? Like, did you like actually feel bad for them? Like, my God, how fucking miserable are you two? Yeah, I did. I felt it. That was pretty good acting. Yeah, I think that, I felt I, I felt really bad for them. Yeah, we have to kind of discuss that at least a little bit, and I don't want to wait for the twenty minutes yeah. on that because I might forget it. Because that sequence was really powerful. Well, I mean, that's coming up next. So, oh, okay. Well, you go ahead and finish, I, and I'll come back around. Yeah, that's let's fine. just. We have one last thing to go say. Ahead. Uh, we cut back to the journalist and Sarah. They're boning, uh, and it's apparently her first time. So, Jesus Christ. That's the end of that 20 minutes before we start going to the final. Thing. Yeah, that's the thing I was trying to avoid the revelation of, because now that doesn't matter. <laughs> the whole them crying thing, because we're like, oh, Christ, movie, why did you have to go there? But anyway. Yeah, but I still care about this. Cry- These yeah. two people are miserable. It, to the point of he's miserable because his work is the only thing I think that takes his mind off the fact that he doesn't really have a real marriage anymore due to his disease being stuck in that chair. Um, and she's miserable because I think deep down inside this aunt is a good person, but she has allowed her pain to take over and she's acted out in pain to the point of using this guy's own niece as her own sexual object. Yeah, it's heavily implied that she's forcing the niece. Like, it's like a molestation mm. thing and has been going on for a while. Yeah, it seems that. 
like that way. Yeah, so it's I, bad. I cannot actually have any sympathy for her in making that choice. And this is the part of the movie where I'm like, wow, that seemed excessively unnecessary just to get some salacious shit in there. Now, and nothing do you comes think of it's this. real. Do you think it's real or she just said it? What, the aunt made it up to hurt him and then the niece also said pretty much the same thing to the stranger? I, well, I think... Oh, yeah. Okay, so you're thinking maybe See, they actually the way have I a consensual about it because, relationship, uh, but the, the she's trying to get I, away, so like, she's saying it's I, worse than what it is? Maybe. I'm, I am I was saying, like, I thought maybe because the niece never, like, Sarah never says, like, oh, she makes me do thing. Like, it almost seems like... Sarah's mad because her uncle's always just working. She lives out in the sticks. She wants out of the sticks really bad. And then I, I'm sure the aunt, then I, I, the way I took it was Sarah saying, like, the aunt makes her probably do work around there. Maybe. The way she said it, probably not. Because then, like, the aunt breaks down. It's never brought up again. I guess in a, a giallo, that's not unheard of for something to be completely dropped. But maybe she just said that to cause the uncle pain saying, hey, I've been boning, you know, I've been boning her, all that kind of shit. And what are you going to do about it? Maybe to force the, the uncle to say, and now I really want a divorce. And when she saw what it actually did to him, she was like, oh, shit, I'm a real asshole. And, and I don't know, though. It could very well be, no, she's just a piece of shit molester, and uh, she deserves all the pain she gets. Yeah, the film is super vague on that, and I think it's just trying to be salacious, and they just want to move on. Yeah. After. They do. They drop you're, you're, They completely right. drop it after this. Yeah, they're just trying to be salacious yeah. with it. And I think it's just like this offhanded thing. And I mean, like, if you're going to go with it, then just have it be that, like, you know, they're both, both these women are bored, and there's no man around to please either of them, so they turn to each other. Yeah. And I think there is, it, this does get brought up again, but we just, uh, and I'll, I'll bring it up when, so. Right. And, <laughs> and you know, if you're going to, if you're going to go into the whole, like, uh, by curious ant by marriage thing, like, just fucking lean into it and, like, show us, you know? Yeah, right. Just do that. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing around here? Don't waste our time. I mean, Sergio Martino would do that. Sergio Martino has <laughs> done that. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. But yeah, and then you end it with the sickening, this dude's taking this girl's virginity. So that's fucking weird, too. Uh, yeah, but now you got me wondering if maybe she's like a compulsive liar, if there's something wrong with her. Like, she's trying to get the hell out of this town. So she'll she'll say or do anything to get out of there. Right, because, I mean, she is clearly desperate, and she's basically does say it, and then she's basically begging, and the more he makes it seem like he's not going to, the more the thing she says escalates, like like she's really begging for help and really begging to get out. Yeah. And that's the only yeah. reason why it makes it suspect, because it's like, you know, like, just the way that it's happening, I'm conditioned in movies and film to think that, like, if someone's really that desperate, then there's a different reason, you know, than than what yeah. they're actually saying. And, you know, you, you need to be suspect of them, especially in a killing type film, because maybe yeah, she's exactly. the killer and she needs to get out because they're closing in on her. Uh-huh. Yeah, something like that, because I was also thinking that, too. Right. I mean, she's clearly a red herring like everybody else in this film. Yeah. Like <laughs> Everybody's a red herring in this film. It's nothing but red herrings everywhere. <laughs> it's a sea of herring and all of them red. Yes. Jesus Christ. I'm good to uh, move on. Let's go. Are we ready to move on? Okay. Uh, let's see here. The final 30. That starts with... Um, we see the butler uh, the the next morning. Journalist is having some some cappuccino. 
butler's like, hey, you know, if you everyone's sleeping, doesn't want to be disturbed, but if you want to leave, I'll thank them for you. And he's like, no, I'm good. Then all of a sudden the maid starts walking in, and she's like, hey, am I needed? And the butler's like, no, get the fuck out of here. Sends her away, and she pretty much tells him, you'll pay for this. And you're like, what the fuck is going on here? Um... After that, the boyfriend, do, or the, the journalist does leave, and we see then the, the maid and the butler, they get into it in the kitchen, and the maid's like, listen, if you want me to do this, I want to do it my way for one. And the butler freaks out at her and says, listen, just, like, pretty much says, just stay in your lane, uh, or else, you know, you're going to blow this for us. And then he says, you know what, whatever, do what you want. And she kind of just screams at him that she wants to be able to live, and she leaves the room. Yeah, okay, so that's a bunch of weird shit. What's going on there? Yeah. This is sus as fuck. What does this conversation mean? It's very sus. Everything's very sus here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the first time the film's like, no, maybe it's them by throwing a bunch of really, like, really weird shit at you all at once with them. You're like, what the fuck are these two up to now? Yeah, right? What the hell's going on around here? Where the fuck did this come from? I mean, that guy's been making me feel all creeped out and weird for like a long fucking time. But like, what the fuck is this coming from? Yeah, now what's this maid doing? Why is she making me feel fucking creeped out? Uh, Anyway, so then we see the journalist. He visits the doctor uh about his missing friend. Uh, the We see the innkeeper's son is there helping him with his... Uh, with his uh, uh, garden. So anyway, they talk about their fears about Eleanor, the aunt. So this is kind of where they bring it all back up. That even the doctor's like, I've had my concerns for a while. You have your concerns. He goes, we should probably go to the cops about that. As they're talking about it, then he says, well, Sarah kind of let me in on a secret. The journalist says, last night, she told me that her uncle can now take pictures of the human mind. And he was taking pictures of us all last night during dinner. Bullshit! Yeah, yeah. Bullshit. Then they get a call from Eleanor. She's in Rome at uh, some family of Sarah's house, where Sarah's supposed to be, but she isn't there. She never got there. She's missing. Uh, so everyone's getting freaked out. The journalists will head to Rome, pick up Eleanor, and they'll head back to the villa. Uh, the doctor is going to look into some other shit. So then we see the butler, he gets a call and he decides, he understands, he says he'll be on his way. He leaves as the maid calls out for him and runs after him, but he already is driven away. Then we see the innkeeper's kid. He walks in, he shows up and starts fondling her, which that got weird fast. Yeah. Which turns her up and she takes him into a brush and they go at it it made me think that possibly this is something that they have done before and he knows he's kind of got a pre-okay because she got into it super fast and it i mean like he's obviously been helping gardening for a while and she's been there for a while and she clearly wants to get off so maybe she's the one that taught him to do that because he shows restraint with a completely naked woman because she doesn't look like she wants him to touch her and he just touches her shoulders and then walks away which was really creepy and weird but now seeing this, I'm like, well, who trained him to do that then? Mm-hmm, right. Uh, anyway, after they get done, she then kicks him to the curb, kicks him out, says, get out of here. Uh, then we see the uncle working on his machine. Uh, we see then the butler, he's talking to a doctor. And the doctor says that there's some schizophrenia here, uh, some mental illness that can be affected by arousal or sexual stimulants. And the butler's like, yeah, this is kind of what I feared. Okay, thank you. And he leaves, and you're kind of like, what the fuck's going on now? 
Uh, then we see the journalist and the aunt, they are searching, uh, they are driving the car, searching for Sarah. Uh, we see the more, this is a lot of cutscenes, uncle working on his machine. Then we see the maid showering. Um, thanks, movie. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Then she packs as the doc is still working. And as she's, uh, as she packs up, uh, all of a sudden she gets stabbed and killed. Then we see the uncle has a breakthrough. Something like is starting to print out, and he's getting pretty pleased about it. Oh, that uh, is a badass boy- old school mixing board and radio console that he's fucking right. around with. It has nothing to do with photography, but it is a badass audio mixer. Nice. <laughs> Especially for its day. Was it fucking badass? Yeah. Um, then we see the boyfriend and I, they're heading back to the villa. More working by the uncle. The boyfriend then, or the journalist then tells the aunt about going to the police, but he didn't because this could be his big story. So he wants to be able to report this because he's a shithead. So then the uncle looks at a photo that comes out of the machine and says it's him. And he rolls about the house yelling out for Alberto, the butler. This goes on for an excessive amount of time. Yeah, this is insane. Uh, The boyfriend and the aunt, they see Alberto's car and they want to catch up to him. Or the journalist and the aunt. And they see Alberto's car and want to catch up to him. Everybody's trying uh, to find Alberto, catch up to Alberto, and continues to sh- shout out the name Alberto. And it goes on yeah, for an excessive for amount time. of time. <laughs> They're just insane around here. Like, if you um, never want to hear the name Alberto again in your life and you need to condition yourself to hate that name, watch this sequence. Yeah, right. Um. So anyway, the uncle rolling around finds the doctor over the maid's body holding scissors. They ask him why he would. Then the doctor, almost talking to the uncle, says, "Why would you do this? Why would you kill these ladies and then bury them under my lettuce garden?" And you're like, "I don't think you're talking right there, doc." Then the uncle says, "The doctor is the one who was the murderer," and calls out to Alberto. The doctor runs away, but Alberto has a gun and he follows him and he shoots him a couple times. The doctor then falls into like right in front of this tractor for like irrigating. And he gets caught underneath it and stabbed a lot, and he is killed. Uh, we see the the innkeeper's son was the person driving it. Death by aeration. Yes, pretty much. That's 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 how that went. Um, so they then all later on, they're all in a group talking to the cops. Um, we see the picture that was taken was of one of the lady victims, and it came from the doctor's brain, and that's when he knew the uncle knew what would happen. Sarah's at the table too. No mention of where she had been. Um, anyway, uh, it is discovered that Alberto the butler, he's actually a private investigator, and he was working on the case of all these missing girls. Uh, the maid was actually his sister. He takes a Um, pot shot at the police, too, when he reveals that he's a private investigator. Well, they're blundering. In the dark, no less. In the dark. Um, he says the doctor was actually a mentally ill schizophrenic. Um, that before he was a surgeon under a different name and killed his own wife with a scalpel during surgery for a difficult pregnancy. He then moved away, you know, got some friends to uh, give him some money. He changed his name, lived very well until uh, these pretty girls, until the photographer got there two years ago and had all these pretty girls they were coming up and taking new photos of and that snapped him. Uh, the uncle has decided he's going to give his machine to science to intelligent men, by the way, you know, I love how he says men, you know, because it couldn't be any intelligent women, I guess. You know, <laughs> a fucking sexist pig. Well, it's 1975 it, for fuck's sakes, man. 
That's true. Anyway, it ends the special needs child of the innkeeper. He's walking through the garden. He kneels down looking at the cabbages where probably these girls are buried. Starts laughing. And we get the words on the screen. Mankind differs from beasts for an incurable evil. Intelligence. Roll credits. Yeah, so the film looks amazing. It's a total fun fucking ride that you cannot take too seriously, which the more you think about the things that are happening in the film, the more frustrated you actually will get. Because a camera that takes pictures of what's on your mind would mean that he should have some kind of an optical lens that could already look into someone's mind, which means that he has already been viewing what's in people's minds. Yes. And they did nothing with yeah. any of that. Nope. No, 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 I mean, it, it's a classic yellow right there, right? <laughs> not, you, you set up all the... Not really. Kinda, you set up all these other stories that could be happening, and then you do nothing with it. That's not necessarily only to giallo. There's plenty of giallos that they dot every I, they cross every T, and they, they have these nice, neat little packages of everything they show you has a purpose, you know, from beginning to end. It just so happens this isn't one of those. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's all. That's all. I mean, this this is just trying to show you a fun murder mystery ride, and um, you don't really suspect the doctor other than like he makes a couple of offhand comments. Because I did watch, I've watched this twice. I actually, yeah. I, I I watched it again earlier today, uh, just kind of in the background uh, while I was I... working. And there's a couple things the doctor says where he kind of hints at his type of sort of misogynistic view of women, um, and mm -hmm. also the commentary about like them getting naked how he looks down upon them after doing so and uh it just makes it feel like you know they've done also, I something know i got heavy oh god i got heavy creeper slash mentally ill vibes from the doctor the first minute we meet him when he's with the maid and all he can talk about is his fucking plants get you know makes me question a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah they i mean they do make him kind of almost too obvious and then they try to push him as like this weird old man and then they just subvert him and push him into the background and then throw like a bunch of other suspects your way <laughs> and have people yeah. acting weird and sus and everything but like the entire time you're kind of like i don't know that fucking doctor is a weird fucking dude He's a weird fucking dude, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, like, you, you can kind of pat yourself on the back when you figure it out. Like, you're like, of course, it's the doctor, you know. But, like, they push so hard for all these other people. And then they just do this completely ridiculous thing where the idea is that this guy can photograph what people have in their brain. Like, he can photograph thought, you know, in some yeah. way, shape, or form. And Which, of course, then when the doc finds out about it, he has to get to the house to try to kill everyone. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fucking weird-ass shit, man. Yeah, it's like, it's it's such a ludicrous uh, premise, and they do nothing to make you believe that it's even possible. They just are like, no, this is true. You have to believe me. Yeah. <laughs> believe you me, we have intelligent men looking over it. Right, it's such a... Top men. It's a, it's a high concept thing, and like, you have to, you have to just let it go. Because if, yeah. because if you don't, like, it's just gonna fucking ruin everything else about the movie because they they unfortunately wrapped the rest of the plot line around that <laughs> and like when, when they first brought this up dude i was just like so fucking pissed that i was like dude you cannot fucking do this do not wrap the plot line around this photographing thought and then they fucking and do they it did. yeah and then like by the end of it i'm like you fucking assholes i can't believe fine 
it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. You know? So like I watched it again and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to have fun. Cause I already know that this happened and I'm glad that I did because I was fucking pissed. Yeah. Right. Jesus. <laughs> and I'm like, who am I to get mad at a film that's going to set up a premise anyway that he can photograph thought, you know, it's the same bullshit whenever they were like trying to tell everybody that you could photograph the last image that an eye saw when a person died. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, thank you. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but there's other movies that have done that too. You know, it's not, oh, that's yeah. not the only one. And, um, you know, it's a long since disproved thing, but I mean, that was actually used in a giallo too. I think Dario Argento used that. So, you know, huh. like, I'm being a little facetious about how upset I was, but I was just kind of like, man, yeah. please don't. And it, I was disappointed is more than anything, which is sometimes worse, right? Like if the movie had feelings, I guess. Yeah. If the movie, I still had fun watching it. Yeah. But if the movie had feelings, would it be more upset that I was angry at it or that I was just disappointed with it that you were disappointed of course it's always how it is <laughs> it's always worse right but um yeah but like i you know I, I totally did i let that go and i just i just kind of tried to let like watch it again and just have a good time and i did i had a total fucking blast the second time around you know watching it and just kind of not expecting anything and it, you really you can't put your own fucking baggage on a movie like that you know what i mean like i can't yeah. i can't do that the fact that it has like i either i either can go with it or i just have to be like okay well clearly it's bullshit and then just just like let go the rest of the stuff. Like it's not that movie's fault that it wanted to do this ridiculous premise and hang everything on it. I mean, like yeah. it, it had to do something a little different than other Giallos, you know? And <laughs> it, and by the time it got released, Giallos were starting to go on the wane and like the police drama, like action movies were starting to get more popular. So that's why it's called police are blundering in the dark too, you know? So yeah. like it's coming the at the- Police are blundering in the dark. Right. So what, what's the one thing about the wave of horror that you can always count on whenever it's the end of the wave, when you're watching it sort of really ebb to the end with a very, very last part when it's, when it starts to drop down and you know that horror is going to probably go away for a little while. You know what that little end point is? Uh-uh. the horror comedy when you see a lot oh, of those yeah. like on the parodies and all of that start surfacing yeah. like that's when it's going to go away for a little bit and then it'll come back up and yeah. and that's kind of that's kind of what this is with giallos a little bit right yeah i guess yeah um <laughs> i don't know about comedy but maybe just kind of how jallos are. I don't know. This feels extremely whimsical with me. Like, like it just feels like that nobody was taking it serious while they were making it. It just feels very just like, you know, just trying to have a good time, you know? Oh, possibly, yeah. Even I though guess, the stuff, yeah. even though the stuff they're showing in it is absolutely horrific, it just felt like a swinging good time. And I don't know why. Maybe I'm just fucking demented. You could be. <laughs> well, do you want to do some fucking news then? Yeah, let's do some fucking news. All right, we're going to take a little break here. We're going to play Weezer's Photograph for those of you on the Pirate Radio Edit. When we come back, we will have some fucking PSYOP news.
haven't listened to that fucking song in a really goddamn long time. Damn. Yeah, I haven't heard that in forever. I forgot how much fucking fun it is to listen to Weezer. Or at least that era and before of Weezer. I don't know when I kind of fell out. Yeah. I didn't necessarily fall out of love with them. I just kind of, I, I don't want to say moved on. It's just, you know, sometimes you just quit listening to a band. It happens sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you drop things like a hot plate and just like I'm going to yep. do with this sequence. And give me some psyops. found this on my own <laughs> it's the only way you can verify the date now apparently yeah italian church apologizes after bishop tells children santa does not exist <laughs> jesus christ uh, i didn't load the clip so i'm not doing them <laughs> All right. a roman catholic diocese in sicily has apologized to parents after its bishop reportedly told a group of children that santa claus did not exist at a religious event last week, Bishop Antonio Stagliano also said Santa's red costume had been chosen by Coca-Cola for publicity in Italian media reports. I mean, he's not wrong. He's just out of line. Yeah, he's not wrong, but he, it's, you're just, it's like the Big Lebowski. You're not wrong. You're just an asshole. <laughs> In an apology, Reverend Alessandro uh, Paulano uh, from the Diocese of Noto said the bishop had tried to underline the true meaning of Christmas. He also said that the comments had been aimed at highlighting the story of St. Nicholas, the initial inspiration for the figure of Santa Claus, and known for giving gifts to the poor. He said, quote, first of all, on behalf of the bishop, I express my sorrow for this declaration, which has created disappointment in the little ones. And I want to specify that the Monsignor Stagliano's intentions were quite different. Reverend Pagliano said in a post on the, dias the, the uh, diocese Facebook page. Reverend Pagliano, who is in the communications, who is the communications director for the Diocese of Noto, said the bishop had wanted the children to reflect about the meaning of Christmas, saying that the date had become known for consumerism. If we can all draw a lesson, uh, old, young or old, from the figure of Santa Claus, it is this. Fewer gifts, uh, fewer gifts to create and consume and more gifts to share, the statement said. In an interview with the newspaper La Repubblica, the bishop said he had not told the children Santa Claus that Santa did not exist, but that there was a need to distinguish what is real from what is not. The quote, a real fact has emerged, namely that Christmas is no longer belongs to Christians, unquote, he said in Italian. He also said the Christmas atmosphere between lights and shopping has taken the place of Christmas. Not wrong, but still just an asshole. Just an asshole. Maybe say that shit to the parents. I don't think children are fully understanding about consumerism and and all that shit. They just want to believe in fucking magic. Let them let them have that. You dipshit. <laughs> yeah, at least do that before you fucking rape some of them, you monsters. Yeah, fucking pricks. Jesus Christ. Want to do another one? <laughs> yeah, we might as well try and bring everybody up because I'm still not opening up the fucking clips to try and cover this monstrosity. <laughs> Man posed as his brother to dodge police. 
but brother was a wanted man. Oh shit! What if his brother was in deeper than him? Right? Oh, right? fuck! So Singapore, uh-huh. a motorist involved in two unrelated fatal traffic accidents in 2008 and 2014 was caught driving a car last year, even though he had been disqualified from doing so. An attempt to get himself off the hook. Jason Chia Juhuni, 40, gave false information to a police officer by claiming he was hit to be his younger brother. But in a twist, the court heard that the brother was wanted by the authorities at the time, and Chia was arrested. The Singaporean was, uh, on Monday, December 13th, sentenced to nine weeks jail and fined $5,000. He was also disqualified from driving all classes of vehicles for 20 years. He pled guilty to one count each of driving without insurance, driving while under disqualification order, and giving false information to a public servant. In July 2008, Chia was fined $7,000 and banned from driving for five years after he caused the death of a motorcyclist on an expressway. This guy can't drive worth a fuck. He did not obtain a driver's license uh, after his earlier disqualification ended in July 2013, but in October 2014, he drove to Gay in a car that his brother had rented. He was driving across the junction of uh, Gainlang Road and Lorraine 22 at about 4.15 a.m. when he failed to keep a proper lookout and the car struck a man who was crossing the road. He fled from the scene and the pedestrian died from a head injury. Jesus Christ. Okay, what a scumbag to- piece of shit, but like, what did his cousin do that he pled his brother. Yeah, yeah I know. Is, his what, little brother. I'm trying to I'm trying to get there. I wonder like okay, so like he did all this yeah. shit and then he must have had to confess to all of it. So like did the brother actually do worse shit that he decided to not try to hone up for what his brother did? You know, like which yeah. which uh which crime do you go to jail for, right? Yeah, right. Ah, uh, motherfucker, it must be bad. Because okay, so when the cops pulled him over. He gave him his brother's name and stuff, and they screened it, and yeah, his brother was wanted, and so he was arrested. And then, in jail, he finally admitted that he'd given him false information. The details of his brother case were not disclosed in court documents, so they wouldn't even release what his brother did. (laughs) It had to have been, now I'm mad, it had to have been bad. Yeah, or we are just not going to assume the worst. Either way, this is fucked, right? Like, this guy's killed two people, and he's still driving. What a piece of shit. Yeah, well, he better not be driving anymore. I think he should be in some trouble now. Yeah, because he clearly got off light last time. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ. I I still can't believe that. Motherfucker. I I just love the fact that he's like, no, I'm uh, this person. Huh, they're also wanted by the police. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Like, that motherfucker, do you talk to your brother at all anymore? Do you find out what's going on in his life? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you may want to make sure that your cover identity is not worse at crime than you. Yeah, right? Because Jesus Christ, it's not going to help you at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if your cover identity is a much worse criminal than you, you're fucked. Yeah, right? Holy fuck. <laughs> Let's do one more. One more? All right, hold on here. I'm trying to find a good one. The other ones were fine. It's just they're shorter stories. Yeah, they're shorter stories. Uh, That's not a problem. You know, it gives us something to talk about, but then we can do a couple of yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. I'm cool with that. I'm still laughing at the dumbass, the brother shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> fucking idiot. I'm still laughing at the fucking bishop who's like, hey, let me tell you something, kids. Fuck Santa. It's they only want your money. It's all about consumerism. Probably lecturing a bunch of like fucking eight year olds about adult issues. Yeah, they're all crying their ass off. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the fucking church. All right. How about this? This is kind of bullshit. 
Toyota owners have to pay $8 a month to keep using their key fob for remote start. The feature requires subscription even though it doesn't use connected services. They're fleecing you before you can use your key fob or not? Like the one that starts yeah. your car? Like you have to pay $8 even though a it's month? Not a, yeah, even though it's not like a connected service. To be able to use your remote starter. You have to pay eight bucks a month to be to, able to, to be able to remotely start your car from your key fob. Just from, with this Toyota. Just remotely start it? Yeah. It's a feature you oh my god, they're doing fucking paid subscription services for features get in ready. cars now. Yeah. Oh yep. god. Automakers damn. keep trying to get a piece of that sweet, sweet subscription income. Now it's Toyota's turn. Nearly every car company offers some sort of subscription package, and Toyota has one called Remote Connect. The service offers the usual fare, letting owners uh, use an app to remotely lock their doors, for example, or if they own a plug-in vehicle, to precondition the interior. Uh, but as some complimentary subscriptions for Remote Connect come to an end, Toyota owners are getting an unexpected surprise. They can no longer use their key fob just to remote start their vehicle. In terms of technology, this remote start feature is no different from using the fob to unlock the car. The fobs use a short-range radio transmitter to send a car signal that is encrypted with rolling codes. The car then decrypts to the signal to perform the requested action. Whether it's to lock or unlock the doors, beat the horns, Start the engine. RF key fobs have been around since the 1980s, and GM added a factory-installed remote start option in 2004. No subscription needed at the time. Key fob remote start had nothing to do with an app, nor does a car or the fob communicate with any servers managed by to to Toyota. Toyota has been offering factory-installed remote start in 2018, and newer vehicles equipped with Audio Plus or Premium Audio. To use it, owners have to be within 50 feet of the vehicle and double-press the fob's lock button, uh, holding the lock button down for a few seconds. Yet recently, as 2018 Toyotas have passed their third birthday, owners have been discovering that the FOB's functionality is dependent on maintaining an active Remote Connect subscription. Vehicles equipped with the Audio Plus receive a free three-year trial, while premium uh, audio vehicles receive 10 years. Once those subscriptions expire, though, the key fob remote start stops working. Uh, Toyota didn't change the rules th th through that deal uh, was buried in the fine print. When the uh, time comes, Toyota simply cuts off access to one's function on the key fob already in the owner's possession. To get the feature back, owners have to pony up $8 per month or $80 a year. Jesus Christ. That's fucking low. That is so low. Like, I get, okay, if you're using apps to do different things to your car, things that have to talk to servers, that's one thing. Because Toyota has to pay for the servers. But when you're doing something that doesn't contact Toyota at all... That's fucked up. That's just another company looking for more money. Fucking the subscription service thing started out so great, but like everything, we fucking ruin it. <laughs> Capitalism, Matt. Capitalism ruins everything. It doesn't matter what the idea is. They're going to find a way to fleece you for more cash to make it so much worse. And remember, it's only capitalism for us, the regular folk. Big corporate and all those people, they get, uh... They, they, they get the actual socialism. You know, bailed out money, all that shit. <sighs> Fuck. <laughs> that would piss me off. <laughs> We're still at like an hour and 22 minutes, and that's before it's cut yeah. down. So this is going to just be a short fucking episode. I'm fucking done, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I don't, I, it was a shorter movie and no <laughs> clips and just, just set up to be a shorter show. And we're also both pissed off at being, you know, forced to survive in the late stages of end stage capitalism. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I, 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 didn't, I was hoping society would collapse well after I died, but apparently, nope. Get to live in it. <laughs> and with that, we're going to play the Ending Legion show promo. And then after that, we're going to have, I can't remember the name of the band. Uh, who is it again? And Pictures of Lily. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. that again uh i have no idea who who the who oh well i mean but who's on first <coughs> what's on second i don't know who's on third i don't know who's on third <laughs> greatest comedy Jack routine Jackson. in real time that we've completely fucking destroyed here tonight for of, everyone of course we just we're really good at destroying all-time great comedy <laughs> ah, it feels nice if you'd like to find the other previous 330 instances where we have destroyed <laughs> all-time great comedy it's available on our main landing and or launching page legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops dash podcast yeah we're also available on the instagrams as the kids these days are sometimes referring to it when they talk the about how old folks talk about it yeah the gram <laughs> we are cinema underscore psyops there <laughs> we're all part of the gram <laughs> except for man because gram is life if you're not you don't get on the gram what are you doing <laughs> we're not talking about cocaine anymore matt we're talking about instagram oh, oh, oh. 
Can we talk about cocaine again? <laughs> well, if you'd like to talk about cocaine, probably the worst place to do that is Twitter at court underscore psyop there. And I won't give you Matt's because everybody knows he's not going to respond anyway. It doesn't fucking matter. No, I'm, We're, I'm dead to the world. I'm available at the Facebook group Cinema Psyops, where our memes that are shared to the Cinema underscore psyops Instagram page are also shared daily by me you can find me there as court psyops there i share the memes in the group i share the memes on the twitter feed i share the memes from my phone to the instagram feed i share the memes the only only memes are life the only way to be able to live is through memes the only place i haven't taken the memes is from my email cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com which if you want to write some feedback the old-fashioned way which i guess you could do snail mail but i ain't giving you my address that ain't that's not how that works yeah that's not working (laughs) well while you're out there you fucking narc trying to figure out where exactly i am kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch Hey, you hear me okay? Yep. All right. And I am recording. One, two, three. Sound waves are coming out good. <laughs> all right. So uh, this is going to be a weird one. Uh, no fucking clips. No clips, man. It's all fucking reading and shit. <laughs> yeah, but the police are blundering. They are blunt in the dark, by the way. <laughs> this should be a stick. We should do this for like the whole show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, their cops are blundering in the dark. The police are blundering in the dark. That's <laughs> that's when we do the intro. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that'll be our, that'll be our stick. I'm good to go. Uh, can you hear? Yeah. That that's okay. Yep. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, let's let's uh, get the show on the road. All right. Here we go. Oh yeah, she 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 had the eyes of this motherfucker thinks he's done. <laughs> he's like he's lighting up a cigarette like he's clocking out. What's this motherfucker think he is? Right, and gentlemen, if you think you've never seen that look, you just haven't recognized it. You 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 probably don't make eye contact a lot. Maybe you rolled over and went right to sleep. Because trust me, every woman in life has had that look. <laughs> Believe Matt, he knows. <laughs> Believe you me, I know. I don't roll over, even though I should, but I also have a degradation kick, so it works. Uh, <laughs> I feel bad about myself, and boom, I get to pound town again. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't, don't shame me. I'm not shaming you. I'm just, uh, do you really want but to reveal you, that much about, like, how you but, get off to our audience? But if, but if, but really, if you did, <laughs> but if you did, I'd be pretty into it. <laughs> what?
<laughs> so just remember, Court, every time you're mean to me, boom, right to pow down. I know that's why you always piss me off, because you love being dressed down. That's right. See, I'm just saying. It's even, be- it's even better when you just exhaustively roll your eyes at me. I mean, that's pretty much the look. Which is the reason why you went back in the studio and I won't give it to you. <laughs> yeah, no, right? It burns me. Uh, but it's all right, because my wife gives it to me plenty of times, that look. So, anyhow. And you have earned it each time. Each time, you damn right. Um... So then, ah, shit, uh, hold on here, oh, uh, fuck, okay, and then, uh, the doctor, he kinda, uh, sorry, alright, um, let's see here, god damn it, I got lost again, okay, uh, uh, then, uh, it is, uh, oh, it's not a Singapore, uh-huh, a motorist, uh, go ahead, no, 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 go, go, there you go, fucking narc trying to figure out where exactly I am. Kick the fuck out of this yeah. week and make it your bitch. <laughs> that was so dumb. That was, that was fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking loopy and Holy. I don't even care. <laughs> yeah. Alright, I've ended my recording.